You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You say you'll never join the Navy. That you never track storms brewing in the Atlantic. And skydiving could never be part of your community. You'd never climb Mount Fuji on a port visit. Or fly so fast, you break the sound barrier. Joining the Navy sounds crazy. Saying never actually is. Start your journey at Navy.com. America's Navy, forged by the sea. This podcast of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, is sponsored by AAA Heating and Air. The premier HVAC company in the Midlands is growing. Are you a top HVAC technician? AAA Heating and Air is looking for dedicated applicants to fill their fast-growing service department with top-notch HVAC technicians. If you're the best, then they want you. If you're ready to stop working and start a career, you can earn up to $100,000 a year at AAA Heating and Air. Quality candidates will have at least two years' experience and a good driving record. Benefits include top industry salaries, commission on service and unit sales, set call limits, company-provided take-home vehicle and gas card, company-provided cell phone and tablet, health, dental, and vision benefits, 401k retirement plan with company match, and scaled PTO based on length of service. Contact Roy and Dana Finley at 803-677-1500 or check out their job postings on Facebook or ZipRecruiter. Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen, with Chris Clark and Wes Mitchell. On the home of the Gamecocks, 107.5 The Game. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour on 107.5 The Game. Tyler Preston, Wes and Chris in the studio now for your Friday uh, late morning going into the afternoon. I don't know if you guys were listening to me and Preston there wrapping up that last hour. We were talking about stadiums that... You either call the incorrect name because it's changed, or the team's in a new stadium and they still you still call it the old one. Any of um, any of those off the top of your head you can think of? I know one that uh, I don't think it was like a name change, but I just always it, it just kind of breaks my my brain. Jordan Hare. Ooh, it's Jordan. It's J O R, but apparently it's Jordan. Yeah, everybody informed me of this. I for a long time called it Jordan Hare, but any Auburn fan will say no, it's Jordan. I was like, there's no E or I in there, like, or you or you. Yeah, it's none I, of the other. I vowels. never understood that one. Yeah, that's that's a very strange one. I'm trying to uh, trying to think if I have any. Um, I do think they get pretty creative with these things with the. You named the field, but not the stadium. Right. So-and-so, <laughs> it's, you know, blank field at whatever stadium. Yes. Yeah, you, there's ways around it. I was talking, we were talking about the NFL playoff matchups this weekend. Arrowhead Stadium is now, I'm probably going to get this name wrong, Gia Field at Arrowhead Stadium, G-E-H-A Field at Arrowhead Stadium. So you, you incorporate the sponsor while still using the traditional name. So that's a way around it, I guess. Yeah, so that, that is a sponsor. It, it, yes. It seems like most places go with the field being the sort of local right. name of someone who was famous. 
and connected. And then Stadium gets the corporate treatment, it seems. But but I guess Arrowhead is such a known commodity, known yeah. name. Right, but just by the, the nickname alone. Um, which I guess in college sports, you don't run into it as much because a lot, you know, like Williams-Rice Stadium, Bryant-Denny Stadium, usually like named after someone where that name's probably not going to be changing anytime soon. Yeah, do we do we know the initial deal on the Williams-Brice naming? And is that locked in forever? Oh. Do you know, Chris? I don't. Put you on the spot here? You definitely did put me on the spot. I bet Tommy Moody out there knows. Yes. We need to bring in Tommy. Guaranteed. He could probably fill the hour on that one. Yes. Yeah, the, um, the full history. You, you are seeing college... You know opportunities to to name stadiums or sponsor the naming of stadiums. I mean, we have that here with Founders Park. I mean, for for Carolina, honestly, to to have your baseball stadium corporate named, uh, you know, the sponsor uh, actually probably helps quite a bit because most baseball programs lose money. You know, it's not a revenue generating sport in terms of how it looks at the end of the year, money in, money out. But that's got to be very helpful for them. Uh, Kentucky, I believe, is uh, are they Kroger? Yeah, they're Kroger Field. Yep. Um, That's relatively new because I think it was was it Commonwealth Stadium. Yes, now it's yes. Kroger Field. Good call. Yep. I think Chris is doing some googling. I am doing some googling. So Williams Bryce, I do not know the answer as in terms of like if it has to be locked in forever, but it was funded by an estate. Um, they left some of their estate to USC for stadium re- renovation and expansion. And then uh, Martha Williams Bryce, her late husband, Thomas Harden Bryce, had played football for the Gamecocks in the 20s and uh, is renamed in 1972. So, yeah, I don't know if that has to be locked in forever or what. I mean, typically you see a stadium that might have somebody's you know last name or whatever named after a person. If there's a sponsor that comes along, that ends up being the deal. It's kind of like with uh, you saw back in the day at, at Carolina's old baseball stadium. You had Starge Fry, and then what? What was the name? Wes, you know that what is now Founders Park was just Carolina Car- Stadium. Carolina Stadium. Yeah. And then somebody comes we, along and wants to. We did have some people pay. on the text line yeah. saying Carolina Stadium. Yeah, they still call it that. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like Founders Park has it's grown. Like it's grown it's, on us. It's taken, like yeah, it's taken hold. Like, uh, it's one of those things. Anytime you introduce a corporate aspect, people, there's going to be pushback. However, I think most everybody I talk to calls it Founders Park now. Like I, I don't think people call it, it Carolina Stadium anymore. It, the the one would be like, and nobody really has a problem like Colonial Life Arena. Like everybody just says CLA or Colonial Life or whatever it may be. But, like, if Williams-Brice ever got renamed, I don't know if, I think there might be a revolt. Like, people would just be like, nah, it's Williams-Brice. Yeah, that would really be. That would have to be one of those, like, so-and-so field at Williams-Brice Stadium. You have yeah. to keep the name incorporated yeah. somehow. Mm-hmm. You know, still please the sponsor, obviously, because if they want to write a check, that's great. <laughs> but <laughs> it's like, you're, you're not going to get sole possession of the name of the stadium. Yeah, you can sponsor something else other than that, the stadium itself. That's a good point. Gamecock Central Field. At oh, Williams Price. Hey, Stadium. I mean, I'm sure it could happen for the right price, guys. One oh seven five, the game deal. I, I like Williams that. Price. Mike could even uh, 
stream the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour like in the stadium right before exactly the game starts. I'm sure that can be had as well. If you're for, for if you're seat. shelling out the money to <laughs> have the stadium named after you, then yeah, <laughs> I think you're. I think you're. I think you can do whatever you want. Honestly, get like statues of you guys out front. It'd be great. I mean, there's already a Chris Clark statue out there. I don't know if y'all have seen it, <laughs> but it, it is there. The player. He's, you got to look really hard. That um, was, I cannot tell you how many times. By the way, speaking of Chris Clark, you know, Tyler, there was. Uh, a Chris Clark. Okay. K R I S. Ah. He was a teammate of Demetrius Summers in high school at Lexington High School down the road. And he played here at South Carolina for Steve Spurrier. And um, when I got the full, uh, my full time job at Gamecock Central was way back in 2009. That was my first year working. And I got so many emails. Hey, man, you know, gl- yeah, glad to see you. Loved watching you play. And I'll admit, there was a little bit of temptation to be like, I appreciate it. That um, <laughs> that reminds me. So the when the Falcons went to the Super Bowl in 98-99, their quarterback was uh, Chris, Chris Chandler. And uh, Crystal Chandelier, as people call him, because he got <laughs> injured so much. But um, there's well, a guy. Means. So, so the, the big news station in Atlanta is WSB. And there's a guy that works there. I know him. His name is also Chris Chandler. Mm. And he's talked about how many emails or phone calls or requests he gets to go on, like, sports shows because they think he's the other Chris Chandler. <laughs> and this is a guy that, like, doesn't, like, watch sports or anything like that. Like, he's, you know, he's not envious of the other Chris Chandler by any means. And I told him one time, I was like, just go on there and do it and see how long it takes him to figure out you're not him. That's amazing. Y'all remember when uh when uh when Rome when Jim Rome had on uh Jim Everett oh and and did the whole uh was it Chris did check he that him? Chris Everett I mean it started out all nice you know but but oh glad to be here check that Chris Everett and then like like he tried to WWE that is one of my favorite That's anniversaries amazing. on Twitter every year <laughs> when that clip comes back up I had um. So there's this running joke on Gamecock Twitter that I look like Travis Darno, and um, oh man, you kind of do. Yeah, so I, I did a. It was some. I, I got hit up for some random like video podcast or something like, hey, can you call in our show, talk about South Carolina recruiting, whatever. I was like, yeah, that's fine, you know, call me, whatever. Uh, wasn't anyone local or anyone I was like familiar with, or obviously, you know, weren't that familiar with me either. So I go on there, and it was like a video show, but I had called in, so they did the whole on the phone. And uh, at the time, I had a Travis Darno picture. It was during, like, the playoffs. Yeah. I had a Travis Darno picture as my Twitter profile picture, just goofing off, you know, like kind of playing into it. And I get on there, and I just busted out laughing because they had on the phone Wes Mitchell, and they had my headshot was Travis Darno. And, uh... I was like, I'm going to wait to see how, you know, if anyone notices. And no, entire segment uh, with Travis Darno. I no guess. trade out. Yeah. That is awesome. See, I can't unsee that now. I'm always going to, like, think of Travis oh, it's a Darno. Thing. It's a thing. It's a big time thing. Yeah. Not to derail y'all's uh, topics for today, but I just wanted to get y'all's take on the stadium thing. No, I mean, that was a. We, we don't really good. have topics. We just walk in here and talk, I think. Um, and, well, and Terry... I just mean, kidding, Terry. We have <laughs> a lot of planning before this show. Yeah, I have uh, all those papers right there that you see. 
And they stole topics. Preston from us, so Uh-oh, we were going to ask I was Preston where he went. No, we were going to ask him a lot. a lot of questions. That I, was our plan. I've, I've been locked in this studio for like six hours, so I don't, I don't know what happens outside of this door too often. So, Chris, I want to talk about recruiting, if yeah, you'll allow I, it. I want to um, as well. I will. This is actually, we're going to officially call this the changeover, for the most part, from 2023 to 2024. Official? Um, yes. Now, okay. not on your calendar, on your fridge at home, but I'm talking about in recruiting standpoint because it's really down to about two guys that South Carolina is still recruiting for 2023 as far as high school players go. There, You know, there's transfer guy here or there. They're still chasing. There'll be more transfer guys that'll pop up after the spring. We know that. But as far as high school recruiting and the recruitments out there, the people that follow this stuff extremely closely – I, I think it's time to start knowing the 2024 guys. Um, you have a massive junior day for South Carolina tomorrow. Going to be a big list of kids on campus. You have actually, this is something we'll be talking about throughout the next week, there are three commitments set for this coming week for South Carolina targets. You have Cam Pringle on Sunday afternoon. Currently the number one offensive tackle in the country, although there's a kid in state who may also have something to say about that, I think, and Josiah Thompson at Dillon. You have uh, Wendell Gregory announcing this week, four-star linebacker from Georgia, and you have Michael Smith, a four-star tight end from Georgia as well. All three announcing this week. So you have junior day tomorrow, you have multiple top targets deciding, and it just kind of hit me hey, it, it's here. Like, this is where I think we need to start to turn the page to really tracking. We've already been tracking it, but I, I don't know if the casual recruiting fans have necessarily been following it yet. It feels like a good time to to turn the page to 2024. Yeah, and this is the class, we've talked about this before, that like, this is kind of the class for Shane Beamer. And, and you may say, well, that, that sounds silly. Like, there have been three other classes, including 2023, and there has been, but... You look at all the differences, 2021, how it was put together during COVID, no visits, smaller class, just a lot of different factors there. 2022, you haven't had a long runway to build relationships with players. You have a longer one for 23, but 24 is kind of the culmination of the fruits of all this labor, this brand new staff uh, under Shane Beamer, first time head coach Shane Beamer, all together at a new place. And so... Now they've had time to build these relationships for really years, Wes. And this week could be a huge one. I mean, in those three guys you mentioned, Pringle, Smith, and Gregory would give South Carolina, if they landed all of them, three top 150 players. You mentioned Pringle, number one offensive tackle in the nation. He's 40th overall, according to the on three consensus. Michael Smith, the number six tight end in the country, number 146 overall. And Wendell Gregory, number 120 overall, the number 14 linebacker in the country, according to the consensus. So that would be, they. I mean, I would say one heck of a star. They have Dante Reno committed, who's a really good quarterback prospect. But it's been a while since they've had one, and this would really kickstart things, I think, as they move fully into the 24 cycle. Yeah, we've seen in-state be, I would say, a priority for South Carolina, right? Um, had a really solid year in-state. This year, uh, missed out on Monroe Freeling. Didn't really ever seem like there was a great amount of traction there, uh, in my opinion, between the two. There's got to be that early mutual interest 
and uh, just didn't feel like that. But for the most part, you look at 2023, um, you know, adding Lenora Sellers late, adding Marquis Anderson, who I think sort of went the distance as one of the top guys in state, uh, Xavier McLeod, of course, from Camden. Adding those guys, you go ahead and look ahead to this 2024 class in state. And, Chris, you, you've got to talk about Cam Pringle. you got to talk about Josiah Thompson. you got to talk about Mazio Bennett from Greenville. And I think after that, there's probably some discussion about who's next. You know, if, if, and I'm talking about literally ranking the best players in the state, best prospects in the state, uh, to be more accurate. I think there's conversation after that about who's next. There's certainly a conversation to be had about what order those three guys should be in, I, I think. But it feels to me like early on, reading what guys like Charles Power with On3 say, looking at the offer list as well, and just looking at who is being prioritized in the state of South Carolina, feels to me like Pringle, Thompson, and Bennett are kind of your your top three in some order so far. Yeah, and I think there it, this is going to be one of those classes that it could end up being deeper than we anticipate. Like we may look back in six, seven years and say, man, that class was a lot better than we thought. But 24 looks like it's going to be a little bit more top-heavy where you've probably got somewhere between five to, like, seven guys who are going to be, like, not just power five, but, like, upper tier uh, power five guys. The other one I think you could throw right now in that top four is probably Kelvin Hunter out of West Florence. He's a fast kid who has some size at DB, Gamecock offer. And then, of course, uh, Blake Blake Franks is the other out of the three in-state offensive linemen out of Greenville, guy that Clemson and South Carolina are both recruiting among others. So, um, you know, there, again, probably six, seven guys. There might be some emerge, but really top-heavy. And, Wes, if you look at where South Carolina is with the top guys in the 24 class in state, they've done really well so far. Yeah, we'll continue this conversation on the other side. Going to hit a break. You're listening to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Tyler Preston, Wes, and Chris right here, 107.5 The Game. Mix a little sports analysis, pop culture, and great interviews, and you've got the Rich Eisen Show podcast. Daniel Jeremiah here in the Prospect Stock Watch. You look at the draft order, who, who are you hearing first overall? To me, Bryce Young. I don't think he's for every team. I like the fact he could go to Houston and play in a dome. It's warm weather road games for the most part. That's an ideal environment for him. People ask for comparisons, and I said, yeah, if you left Aaron Rodgers in the dryer too long, you get Bryce Young. <laughs> the Rich Eisen Show podcast, wherever you listen. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs. Sounded by Fireman, with Chris Clark and Wes Mitchell on the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. Back in on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, Tyler Preston, Wes, and Chris along with you. Continuing the conversation from the other side, we do have people weighing in on the Firehouse Subs text line. Very, very fired up about the potential of this 2024 class and looking forward to what uh, Cam Pringle's decision is going to be. Yeah, Pringle decision coming up on uh, Sunday afternoon. I was told one, but then I saw some other places two o'clock. So we'll we'll verify the uh, final time there. But currently planning to be there uh, to cover that uh, Gamecock Central is. I always have a mental block on this. Twenty twenty four means they are what they are rising seniors. So currently, right now, as he sits in class, he is a junior, just finished his junior season. Got it. And uh, Chris and I were talking a second ago 
we are unofficially, officially turning the page to 2024 because there's really only two high school guys left for 2023 leading into the February signing day. Everything has been so dramatically shifted up. Um, there's a massive junior day for South Carolina tomorrow. Three South Carolina 2024 targets are announcing this week. So, ready or not, junior class is here. Two things. Shout out to Cam Pringle from the Wood from Woodlands. Shout out to Dorchester County uh, near the hometown. You seen this kid? I have not. Impressive. Listen at six eight three forty. Um, and has probably been that since he was like 10 years a old. Freshman. <laughs> is, is, is this hometown listed as Dorchester? It is. Gotcha. It is. Okay. Um, part two, what does junior day consist of? Yeah, so in general, I don't have the specifics on this one. Uh, you know, I think like anything, there's always little tweaks and stuff from year to year. But junior day is kind of... It's kind of like an official visit, but that has been, I would say, pull, like shrunk. Condensed. And condensed. Hey, there's a word. Condensed uh, into like a late morning and an afternoon. So it's, it's all right. If we want for this prospect and his family to get a feel for this program as much as we possibly can in three or four hours, this is what we want to show them. So it would you come in, probably meet at the ops building, maybe have some breakfast. At some point, you split out into position. You know, meet this. Co- if you're a quarterback, you're going to get like that. You're not going to get that two hour film breakdown. Um, you know, this is exactly how we're going to use you, like you would for an official visit. But you may be sitting in there with three other quarterbacks, small group but not necessarily one-on-one. Running backs go with the running backs coach. Wide receivers go with the receivers coach. Um, Hey, you know, we developed this guy, this guy, this guy. Um, This is what we're trying to do on offense, and we need you to help us get there. Uh, Tour around the facilities. At times in the past, they've involved, like, some, some, like, um, little games and stuff like that. I think kind of the – those are more, like, summer – Visits. I you mean like uh, lawn games or family games? That type of like, just get everybody um, involved. Yeah, or not? Comp- not competition. We're not. We're not running or anything. No, 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 no. no. They'll you. do like. Um, oh God, what's the word for it? I'm struggling today, y'all. I, was it like Family Feud or no? Jeopardy like like a hunt like on campus okay, where scavenger, you scavenger. Yeah, it'll be like, um, hey, find the who can find the statue of Cocky, and they'll be like in golf carts. So you're sort of. It's a way to tour the campus and teach about the campus without feeling like, oh, wow, cool, a tour. Um, there goes Capstone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they'll do like scavenger. I think that has been more as far as summer visits go. But just to give an idea, like, that, you know, it'll be it'll be planned out. It'll be somewhat laid back, but they're going to be trying to pile as much information as possible in there. Some food along the way. A lot of times in the past, they'll do like their – their demos as well where they'll sort of show the nutrition area and maybe cook some food with the guys and like do a little like quick demo as far as this is you're going to learn to cook maybe maybe let the guys get in there themselves cook up some stir fry or something like that is something they've done in the past so it, it is a condensed version of your other visits and it's just designed to sort of i think set that set the foundation 
for your recruitment of that player. These days, a lot of these guys have all already visited. But I look at junior day, especially for out-of-state kids or kids who are just starting to get on the radar. This is like, all right, if this guy's never been at South Carolina, give him the crash course on what he needs to know about this program. Like, I I feel like I, I look at recruiting now. There's, like, steps to this process. Junior day is like, all right, first step, lay the foundation, make get yourself into the top five, and then you go from there. Then you have spring practice hits, get guys in for a spring practice, um, get them in for the spring game. Ultimately, you've got camps in the summer. You've got um, – they'll do, like, cookouts in the summer. You're working your way, building that foundation towards ultimately the official visit when you want to land that commitment. How tight is the list for Junior Day? It it is pretty tight. Okay, um, I would say very deliberate. Hey, we we want you here for this. We want you here for this. Um, if, if you're if you're invited for the Junior Day, they they want you. Gotcha. I, I think it's probably the the best way. To say. You think that's fair, Chris? For the most part, the most I mean, kind of kind of thinking through this year specifically because. Be quite honest, it's hard to remember from like last year's junior day. Um, there are a few guys that don't have offers, or maybe you're kind of ancillary to something else going on, whether it's like another prospect they are recruiting or just kind of a check in or whatever it may be. But generally, the vast, vast majority like 90% of the guys, yeah, the vast, vast majority are guys that they've offered and, and won't. And some of them will be the first visit, like Wes said, a crash course. Some of them, I mean, Wendell Gregory, for instance, who's going to be on campus. Um, he's been a few times to Columbia. He's seen a game. He's seen other settings. And so for a guy like that, that can be something that, um, you know, puts things over the top. So you can you can kind of see both ways. But, but yeah, definitely, um, definitely mostly guys that they are heavily, heavily targeting and are priorities. Or, or could, if they don't have offers now, could get one or, or like in that conversation mm-hmm. for getting an offer later hey, you know and there'll be a guys hey maybe you're a teammate with maybe you're a teammate with a guy we really want so yeah you can come to it's cool but uh, i think there there aren't any just random guys being invited to the junior days basically <laughs> if that makes sense so it, it is a it is a big early foundational opportunity and i, I think maybe one of the challenges of it is if you have guys on there that have have been around your program a ton, it's what can you do to make it still entertaining, honestly. Like some of these in-state guys have been on the recruiting radar for not months, years. So it's like how do you how do you find something new for these guys to do while they're on campus? Um, you know, I, I think it can be a challenge when guys are getting recruited so early. We'll continue this conversation on the other side. You're listening to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. On 107.5 The Game, Tyler Head, Preston Thorne, Chris Clark of Westminster. You can hit us all on Twitter. I'm at TylerHead18. He's at Coach P Tweets. He is at GC Chris Clark, and he is at West Mitchell GC. We'll be right back. You say you'll never join the Navy, that living on a submarine would be too hard. You'd never power a whole ship with nuclear energy. Never bring a patient back to life. <laughs> Or play the national anthem for a sold-out crowd. Joining the Navy sounds crazy. Saying never actually is. Start your journey at Navy.com. 
America's Navy, forged by the sea. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen, with Chris Clark and Wes Mitchell. On the home of the Gamecocks, 107.5 The Game. Back in the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, Tyler Head, Preston Thorne, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell rolling along on your Friday morning, talking a little bit of recruiting. Firehouse subs now, Chris. Um, I'm always sub of the day is. (laughs) We need a drum roll for it. Today's sub of the day because it is Friday. The Jamaican jerk turkey, and that is the sub of the day at any of the participating firehouse subs locations around here. And bonus, all of them participate, all 14. So whether you want to go right over here near the near the uh, station to Main Street, Garner's Ferry, heck, out in Sumter, you can go to any of them. All 14, $5.99 for a small, $7.99 for the medium sub of the day. That is Monday through Sunday at Firehouse Subs. If you don't want to try the sub of the day, make sure you check out the new prime rib steak sub. It's outstanding, too. A lot of ways to get it. Walk in, ask for it. Go to firehousesubs.com, Rapid Rescue, or download the Firehouse Subs app and join their rewards program. Again, that's the Firehouse Subs sub of the day, Jamaican Jerk Turkey on Friday. I don't want to sound like this is the case for every kid out there because certainly it's not. But in the case of Cam Pringle, he's been through an entire recruiting process, I feel like, and it's not even his senior year. Yeah, like he has been on the radar for so long because he was identified so early. And again, we talked about five stars yesterday and how you can just tell. If Cam Pringle walked in this building right now, you'd be like, what NFL team is he on? Just based on size, you know? Uh, just, and he, he's been like that as long. I mean, I think I met the kid two years ago. Um, he's been that way since he was a freshman. I mean, I laughed, but you were exactly right. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it's crazy how early it starts, but then for, for guys like him who look like him, I, I had a college coach comment on Cam Pringle at one point, this was a couple of years ago, and be like, that's the best-looking young offensive lineman I've ever seen. And um, so that speaks volumes. The offer list speaks volumes. Preston, how how old, how far along were you in school when you first started getting some recruiting interest? Yes, yeah, it's, it's obviously the timelines are so much different now. But um, I guess towards the end of my 10th grade year, Mm-hmm. That's when it started started sort of coming around for me. We had shout out to Bernard Rambert, Clemson running back, but he was he was on the trail and he was sort of bringing a lot of attention to the school. And that's kind of how that's how recruiting way back in my day. That's how recruiting used to. Do. If you had somebody at your school, coaches would sort of be around a little bit more. And so he kind of got the got the ball rolling around the area for me. I think that is still valuable to this day, though. Is it um, in states like ours? I think where. You know, you have certain if, – if you're at a school – let's say you're at a school in Atlanta that just puts out guys every year. Um, there's probably not a, oh, we got to go to this school in Atlanta to look at this kid. It's more like I better go to this school in Atlanta or my coach is going to fire me. Like I better go there every single year and check in and see what's up. And And in theory, if you're South Carolina, if you're Clemson, if you're doing a good job, at some point during that calendar year, you will have stopped in – 
on every school in the state. Like who? Now that's not every coach going to every school, but that's whoever has that territory is going to stop by. Um, however, I do think there is still extreme value in our state where everything's a little bit more spread out and where guys can pop up at schools and it's like, oh, this school hadn't had a guy in 10 years and then he pops up. I think that's where the long-term relationships where you go by that school, whether they have a five-star guy or not, you build the long-term relationships. But you do still see that where coaches will be going to see another guy and you hear that, oh, wow, who is who is that? And it sort of snowballs from there. So I think I think there is some value in, in having a, an older teammate who maybe grabs the attention of coaching staffs. How does this make you feel, Preston, speaking of Bernard Rambert? I feel like you're going to tell me something that I don't want to hear, but go ahead. His son, oh, Jalen, mm-hmm. 2023 class. Is that Powdersville? Powdersville. Yep. How about that? Bro. Bernie. Preston just walked out. Yeah, we're getting, oh, getting up there. I was just looking back, guys, by the way, on Cam Pringle. The first story I did on Cam Pringle was December 2020, and he was 6'7", 285. <laughs> and this is for a 2024 class kid, so way so he, out. And so I remember, he's grown since then. I remember talking to his head coach down there, Eddie Ford, and, like, he told me, and, and like, you know, some coaches you hear from, you're like, yeah, whatever. You know, if he tells me about a guy, I'm going to watch and listen, and, and I know that it's legit. But even then, I'll admit, if he's listening, I'm sorry. When he's like, I've got a national recruit who's a freshman, and he's this size. I'm like, is he really that size? But then I turned on the film. I was like, yeah, he's big, and he's going to be a national recruit probably. And that was that was Cam Pringle. So he looked even he looked a little bit different then. Uh, he's gotten a little bit bigger in terms of filling out, but he was he was physically impressive even then. Just listen to that sentence you said. He's gotten bigger and he's filled out from six seven. To what? Two eighty five. Two eighty five. He had to fill in that little frame, so hopefully he's put some meat on there somewhere. <laughs> I hope we can find a spot to put some extra weight on there. It's he's special, man. I mean, again, we uh, I I don't know what that when we get in here, I don't know what carries over onto the air and what doesn't. It kind of all runs together. <laughs> but I don't know if I've seen our state have guys like him and Josiah Thompson and then um, Blake from from Greenville. Same class, like that. That does not happen in our state, and I feel like our state hasn't really put out over the years as many top O line as maybe they have receivers or defensive ends. Like I feel like receivers, defensive ends are where we've we've like made our money, so to speak, as a state. And maybe that's normal. I, I don't know, but the uh, the fact that you have these three guys, um, yeah, you had Monroe Friedling in the last class who actually ended up being. Uh, I think a five star on on three as well. You have uh, you know a couple of years here where we have really done well as far as those guys go. This is totally Preston editorializing, so these <laughs> opinions are mine and mine on only. <laughs> they do not represent Chris West, Tyler, one hundred seven five, anybody. But to have the offensive lineman be the cornerstone of your recruiting class, that feels like it's always going to be a better option. Just from y'all have done this a long time. Can you would y'all would you agree that offensive linemen tend to be easier to recruit? I don't know if that's the easier is the right word, but they tend to be it's just a different recruiting process for offensive linemen, maybe not as high high maintenance is the word I'm <laughs> yeah, kind of thinking I'm going for. Not Salt as high drama. 
yeah, they tend to be more salt of the earth type of type of folks, and that character might lead over to towards the recruiting class if you have these national type of dudes. Am, am I off on that? No, I I don't think you are at all, and I, I think it. Some of this, like I, I've seen people say, oh, you know, Carolina's had this huge emphasis on landing all these top offensive linemen. And I would say to that, yes and no. Like, obviously, this is this is college recruiting. Like, there there is no limit. Just because you had some great offensive linemen doesn't mean, oh, well, now you can't recruit a great quarterback. You know, like, uh, you're trying to recruit great players at every position. I think it's kind of worked out where these top in-state guys have been offensive linemen. Uh, so some of it has just kind of worked out this way. Uh, Marky Anderson, last class, consensus four-star guy. All the services have him as a top offensive lineman. And, uh, yeah, Carolina prioritized him and landed him. They signed a big class of O-line guys last year. Yeah, they needed numbers, but they got quantity as well, and it was somewhat because these guys were in their, their territories that they already had some really good relationships, I think. But certainly, I think if you're going to build an offense in college ball, to me, you build it around the quarterback, but then right after that, you got you've got to have good O line play. And we've seen we've seen Carolina fans get very frustrated, I think, with O line play over the years. Um, some warranted, some not, in my opinion. But yeah, I, I think they've set themselves up to really just build this entire thing around their offensive line moving forward. Yeah, and it, it's a tough position to project. I mean, like look in the NFL, and you know. If you go through and look at what, where's this guy from, I mean, you will find, okay, this guy was a former tight end, or this guy played at a Division two school. Like, it's hard. If y'all, there's a really good piece that came out. Heath covered this yesterday. If y'all look at the All Pro team in the NFL this year, which side of the ball do you think had the highest ranked recruits in in high school, offense or defense? NFL All Pro team. I've already seen it. So I'll, yeah, my first guess would be. Uh, my first guess would be offense. It is defense. Average offensive star ranking for this year's All-Pro team, two stars. Pretty crazy. Was it two or three? Wait, say that again. Average offensive ranking of the 11 All-Pro players, 2.0. Pretty what is, wild. What is defense? Defense, 4.5. Pretty wild. Really good piece uh, from The Athletic by Bruce Feldman. Actually, in the second paragraph, current Gamecock assistant Jody Wright gets a shout-out in that piece um, from when they were recruiting Josh Jacobs at Alabama. Josh Jacobs was, once Alabama got on him, he had he had offers from Tulsa and New Mexico State. He was a, um, he was a Wildcat quarterback, Alabama. I, I bet really there good. were some Alabama fans complaining. Livid. Yeah. <laughs> who, is this guy? Who, are, who are we? He was awesome. beating Tulsa for this guy. <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. This is Alabama football. But it's tough. I mean, like, especially... Small sample size, though. With offensive linemen, like, I I think that's one where you, if you look at it, and, and that, da- that data kind of made me rethink a lot of things. That, that's one year. That's not necessarily going to be every year. But I, I did start thinking about it, and you go, okay, I get it, like... Patrick Mahomes was like a three-star. Josh Allen went to Wyoming. You see these kind of quote-unquote no-name receivers. Like You certainly see a lot of no-name offensive linemen and running backs, so it makes a lot of sense. Say so We'll be back on the other side to wrap up this conversation and wrap up the week. You listen to Gamecock Central on the 
107.5 The Game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen, with Chris Clark and Wes Mitchell. On the home of the Gamecocks, 107.5 The Game. Back in on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, Tyler, Preston, Wes, and Chris wrapping up your week on this Friday morning. I feel bad I cut Preston off right before we went to commercial there. So Preston, the floor is yours. What is it that you were going to say before I so rudely interrupted you? No problem. We uh, definitely had to pay the bills. Um, nobody knows what's going on offensive linemen when we watch it. I was just picking up on the <laughs> idea awesome. that people get mad at offensive line, but most of us have, even you know, even myself as a, as a purported D lineman, <laughs> sometimes even when I hear offensive linemen talk, I still don't necessarily know all the things that they're talking about. So when it comes to evaluating offensive linemen, it makes it even harder because we don't know what they're doing. We don't know what to look for. When you say that, say, Marky Anderson, you said, mm-hmm. across-the-board four-star, what makes him an across-the-board four-star? Yeah, I think for him, a lot of times when you eval O-line, you're kind of just looking, does he have the traits that you need to play at the SEC level, I think. So you look at Marquis, and you're like, all right, he's 6'4". He's already 300-plus pounds. Then you watch him move. I mean, I saw him at the Shrine Bowl in practice, and they're running, like, uh, jailbreak screens, and kid is going, like, 0 to 100 in in 2.1 seconds. Like, the ease of movement for a guy that size is something that um, is pretty easy to spot. Long arms, just... I think a lot of times you are just looking for those measurables. And the rest, I feel like a lot of times O-line coaches feel like they can pull out of the guy. So you're, you you want to find, as you continue the evaluation process, maybe you watch him at practice, maybe you go to a game, you're going to obviously look at the toughness element. You're going to look at, uh, you know, does this guy take plays off or not take plays off? Does he finish plays to the whistle to throw a cliche in there? Um all these things are where you're sort of building out that evaluation. But I, I think quite simply, it kind of just starts with, all right, can he hold up at the SEC level from a size and, and athleticism? Can he move his feet? Um, and then you kind of get into that, all right, is he a tackle? Is he a guard? If they're a little bit shorter maybe, um, you know, maybe a little bit wider, you probably start to think inside if they're a little lighter on their feet, longer arms, a little bit taller, bigger frame, you maybe start to think tackle. But um, I think it starts very simple, and then you're kind of peeling away at the onion as the eval continues from there. And the thing with O-line, they're so hard to project because there's been so many top offensive linemen that might have been a 6'5", 230-pound tight end in high school and then they've just grown and grown and grown or um you know you see you see defensive linemen that maybe weren't necessarily considered the most athletic defensive linemen but they switch over to offensive guard and it just clicks and then they're successful there so most high school offensive linemen are not ready made is why it's so hard to project most of them you're gonna have to Maybe add some pounds, maybe subtract some pounds. That's the big thing I was going to say is that if, if I was looking at any of these recruits, I would say don't worry about the weight one way or the other. Don't be impressed if it's 330 because that's probably not the best 330. Probably going to have to lose that. And don't be discouraged if he's 270 because he's going to be able to put that on one way or another. My, my favorite O-line story, sorry, Wes, um, 
you know, two guys actually that played for the Eagles. So, so Jason Kelsey, who's the highest paid center in the NFL, was a former walk-on running back at Cincinnati and then switched to fullback and then eventually the O-line. You think that was one of those cases where they had his brother and they were like, oh, yeah, I guess he can walk on too. Where did uh, – that's where he started. I don't mean to derail yeah, the conversation. Too. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I wonder. Well, it turned out well. It did. Good for, for everybody. But my favorite one of all time is Lane Johnson. So I'm going to show you all, you all this picture after the show. But Lane Johnson was a rated as a pro-style quarterback. He was 6'6", 202 in high school. And then he became a first-round pick on the offensive line. Like he played like, I think he played like tight end, defensive end, and then finally offensive line. In college, so it, it is above all else is probably the biggest crapshoot, I think. Well, because I think if you're a running back, for the most part, other than you know that example, you're probably a running back, you, and you might be a running back <laughs> or a receiver, may, maybe, um, or you know you might be a receiver or a DB, but for the most part, those skill sets kind of translate to an extent. But the oh, this guy's a big tight end. He was 215 pounds in high school. And used to catching passes, and now he's seventy five pounds heavier. Nobody can predict that because for every player who follows that path, there's probably eight of them who just never had the frame, um, you know, or, or the uh, muscle building ability to put on that much weight successfully. Also, when you evaluate an offensive lineman, sometimes somebody could be impressive or efficient because they're just bigger than everybody else yes. in high school. Yes. And then that doesn't work when everybody else is the same size. Like, wait a second. I gotta block that guy yeah, now? I gotta actually do something. And that's when actually being able to learn the techniques and leverage and footwork and all this stuff um, plays in. that. And that's I think some of that stuff's very hard to uh, project out, uh, you would say. That's all we have time for this week. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. We're back on Monday to break down more things, Gamecock here on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour for Preston Thorne, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell. I'm Tyler Head. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy your weekend, 107.5 The Game. We're all juggling life, a career, and trying to build a little bit of wealth. The Brown Ambition Podcast with host Mandy and Tiffany the Budget Nista can help. It's time for the B-A-Q-A-A, the B-A-Q-A, what you say, the B-A-A. Brown Ambition question answers. You have questions, we have some answers. We are not your therapist. Nope. We're not your financial advisor, your attorney, but we are two smart brown girls when it comes to money, career, business. Brown Ambition. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.